Hello, friends, and thanks for joining me on this episode 10 of the Unsunday Show. We're breaking into double digits here. It's an exciting time. Really appreciate you coming along for the ride with me today. I want to talk to you today about two different issues, two different things that tend to go on within modern Christianity that I think give us a wrong view of ourselves and a wrong view of who God is and what he requires. By giving us a wrong view of ourselves, I mean it it tends, these ideas that I'm going to present to you tend to take away from our identity in Christ. They tend to hinder a true understanding of who we are in Jesus and what our identity is this side of, of salvation, this side of conversion. And the two issues that I want to approach with you are really by asking two questions. Number one, should I be dying daily? Paul mentioned that he dies daily, and we've taken that to mean that it's a spiritual discipline, that I'm supposed to be disciplined in my life somehow to die to my own wants, die to my own needs, and to be dying every day. And so we take Paul's words and we've we've turned them into a spiritual discipline. But is that what Scripture tells us? Is that what the context reveals to us? And then the second question I want to ask is, what does deny yourself and take up your cross mean? And these are so closely related that I wanted to do both of them in the same episode. But what does it mean to deny yourself and take up your cross, like Jesus said to do? Again, I think we've taken this and turned it into a spiritual discipline as well, that within modern institutional religion, both of these have become part of a to-do list, a larger to-do list, where I am to be denying myself and dying every day and picking up my cross and following him. So let's delve into this a little bit and see what we can sort out. You know, I don't know how this has been for you, but for me, Personally, I spent years confused by Paul's statement when he said, I die every day in 1 Corinthians 15.31. The confusion for me came because when I became a Christian, the message I heard was salvation is a free gift with no strings attached. The forgiveness of sins was free apart from merit or works or any kind of duty. I can't earn it. It's a free gift that will never be taken away. And that was good news. I want it in. It had no strings attached. Where do I sign up? But what happens to most of us, and it's probably happened to all of us, and it's probably happened to you if you've been around Christianity for any length of time, is that once we're in, the message morphs. It changes. It morphs into something else. It morphs into my own ability to keep God happy with me by the things that I do, the things that I think, and the things that I say. I was no longer free, but I started to get weighed down with Christian duty. The message changed from Jesus plus nothing to I'm now responsible to be doing A through Z, whatever A through Z was determined to be. And my failure to do A through Z consistently resulted in feelings of guilt and remorse for being such a failure. For example, failure to have a consistent quiet time resulted in feelings of shame and guilt. Or failure to read the Bible consistently through in a year resulted in those same feelings of shame and guilt. Failure to pray every day with my wife and children brought feelings of, guess what, shame and guilt. Failure to be the husband and father that I was told I needed to be 
by those in the men's Bible study group also brought feelings of shame and guilt. Failure to confess every sin I committed brought feelings of shame and guilt. And if you want to know more about that, you can check out episode 9 of the Unsunday show, where I talked about 1 John 1.9 and the confession of sin. Lying to others in my accountability group about my supposed progress and my incredible ability to carry out my spiritual disciplines also brought feelings of shame and guilt. By the way, just as a side note, everyone in your accountability group is doing the same thing I did. It's a massive cover-up. And then comes along this idea of dying daily. I was suddenly told that, you know, I need to die daily because that's what Paul did. And I need to die to myself every day by denying myself. And failure to do that, again, added feelings of shame and guilt. And the list goes on and on and on. But do you see what's happened? We get into trouble when we insert ourselves into Bible texts in which we don't belong. We as Christians read about confessing our sins in 1 John 1, nine, and we turn it into a spiritual discipline. So we get busy trying to confess all of our sins, hoping we don't miss one and wondering what happens if and when we do. And when we realize that we've missed some and we can't possibly keep up with such an impossible goal, we feel miserable and ashamed. We as Christians read the Beatitudes of Matthew 5 and think they're goals for us to meet. So we get busy working on being meek or humble or lowly or pure in heart so that we're not a disappointment and that we can shine in that same accountability group. And in the same way, we read Paul's words, I die daily, and we insert ourselves into them and we think we need to be about dying to ourselves every day. It sounds spiritual, and if dying daily was good enough for Paul, hey, it must be what I need to be doing every day too, right? But is it? Would Paul have wanted us to insert ourselves into his own words and make them about us and what we need to be doing and turn them into a spiritual discipline, a task to be accomplished? Is that what Paul wanted? Is that what he was talking about? I think if we pause for just a moment and take a closer look at the context, we're going to find out something else. Paul penned those words to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 30 through 32. And he said this, quote, Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers. By my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. End of quote. The context in which Paul is speaking is the resurrection of the dead, and more specifically, the resurrection of believers who have died. The death Paul is talking about is the literal physical death he faced daily as he preached the gospel and, quote, fought with beasts at Ephesus, end of quote. Paul isn't talking about self-denial as some sort of spiritual discipline, but the threat of physical death he faced daily. It's in that context that he makes his point. What do I gain if the dead are not raised? In other words, what good is my facing death every day if there's no resurrection of the dead? Furthermore, he, he didn't tell the Corinthians to die daily. He was talking only about himself and his own experiences as an apostle, as one who planted churches, as one who was preaching the gospel. It was a descriptive statement, 
not a prescriptive one. In his second letter to the same group of people, he said this, quote, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from these things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all of the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is made to fall, and I am not indignant? End of quote. Listen, Paul literally faced death every day. He wasn't giving us a self-denial assignment to carry out. He wasn't giving us the goal of one more spiritual discipline we could fail at and feel ashamed and defeated when we failed to do it consistently. No, he was speaking of his own experiences with literal physical death as a result of preaching the gospel, as a result of taking the message of Jesus into places that had never heard of him. Remember that movie Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger? That was one of my favorite movies. There's a line in there that was probably my favorite line in the movie, and it was this, if it bleeds, we can kill it. Unfortunately, because we've inserted ourselves into a passage where we don't belong, it's also how we view ourselves in Christ, as something that needs to be killed or put to death because on some level we're in the way. We view ourselves more as an obstacle that needs to be removed instead of a participant in the divine nature. Second Peter 1 verses 3 and 4. But what if the death that we needed to die has already happened? Consider this. Paul told the Galatians in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. End of quote. He told the Galatians, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's Colossians 3.3. 3. Not only have I already died with Christ, but because of his death and my dying with him, I've been raised to newness of life. I've been crucified with Christ. And the life I live right now is Christ in me and me in him. There's nothing dirty about that that needs to die repeatedly or die over and over again every day. I've already died. It's already happened. And my life is now, quote, hidden with Christ in God. End of quote. I'm not in the way of what God is doing. I'm a participant in what he is doing. He lives in and through me, and it's the Father's good pleasure to give me his kingdom. Luke 12:32. Listen, this is my identity in Jesus. I am a new creation, a new person with a new identity. I have a new heart and a new life because the death I needed to die has already occurred. You'll remember in the book of Romans, Paul said this, quote, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. That's Romans 7, 4. He also told the Roman churches, quote, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. 
End of quote. He said this to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. In my mind, this begs the question, why would I want to put to death this new creation? Why do we think we need to kill off what's already died? Why do we think we need to kill what's been made new? If the life I now live is, quote, no longer I, but Christ who lives in me, end of quote, why do we feel the need to put it to death? Why would we do that? To go through my day thinking there remains an unworthy or dirty part of me that needs to be put to death is to deny what God has done in me and replaces it with false guilt and condemnation. I've been made a partaker of his divine nature, Peter said, and I get to be myself and enjoy him. To think there's something in that formula that needs to die takes away what God intends I enjoy. I love Paul's words to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, when he said, quote, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. End of quote. So, Christian, I would say this, relax. There are no hoops to jump through. You don't need to be putting yourself to death. What does that even mean? The death you needed to die has already occurred. You've been raised to newness of life, and you get to live that life freely in the grace that's been given to you because the life you're living is Christ in you, and you are free to be yourself, and he has given you everything to enjoy. This is your identity. There's no part of you that needs to die. That death has already occurred. Okay, so what about denying myself and taking up my cross? What does that mean? You know, Jesus told the disciples in Matthew sixteen twenty four, he said, quote, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. End of quote. Just like the I Die Daily verse that we read and talked about, this verse in Matthew 16 has gotten us into trouble over the years too. Not because there's something wrong with the verse or Jesus' amazing statement, but because we're doers. And we're always looking for something to do in order to be more pleasing to God. We'll insert ourselves into virtually any Bible verse that looks like it needs us to do something. Because we're doers. We've convinced ourselves that our own labor and efforts are necessary contributions that earn extra credit for additional merit. We would probably never put it that way. We would raise the banner of Jesus alone. We would raise the banner of salvation is by faith alone through grace alone. But practically speaking, when it comes down to it, that's exactly what we do. We have convinced ourselves that in some way, our own labor and effort are necessary contributions that kind of get extra credit or additional merit at the end of the day. Even though Jesus answered the question over 2,000 years ago, we're still asking it. We're asking, what must we do in order to do the works of God? What's our contribution? We're ready at a moment's notice to strap on the spiritual tool belt and get busy because we're doers and we think there's something left to do. But Jesus' answer to that question was simple. It was believe in the one whom he has sent. That's the work of God. Just believe. But that's not enough for us. Because again, we're doers. And we like to insert ourselves into Bible texts where we don't really belong. And because we're such doers, we've interpreted this verse. This verse of Jesus in Matthew 16 about denying ourselves and taking up our cross. 
We've interpreted it as, as some type of marching orders for the Christian life. We've been told that it's a call to spiritual progress and maturity. You've heard it as much as I have. When hard times hit, we remind each other that we all have our cross to bear. It's all, you know, this is the cross you have to bear today. And, and brother or sister, this is your cross. You need to bear this cross today. And so we remind each other that we all have a cross to bear. And, and bearing the weight of that burden is key to denying ourselves. Because after all, that's what Jesus said to do. And so we've made this beautiful passage all about us and our ability to endure and press on when life gets hard. But listen, friends, it has nothing to do with that. Let's take a second glance at the context. I think that will help us sort this out. First, Jesus is talking about his own pending crucifixion. And second, failure on our part to take up our cross and follow him has eternal, not temporal, consequences. Things like losing our life, and losing our soul are at stake. Eternity is on the line, not spiritual maturity. In other words, failure to take up my cross and follow him leads to death, not disappointment at being an undisciplined Christian. Third, we have to ask, where did Jesus' cross take him? Well, it it took him to Calvary to die. If I take up my cross and follow him, to where am I following him? I'm following him to Calvary to die. This is why Paul could say, as I mentioned earlier, quote, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. End of quote. And that's Colossians 3 3. And similarly, as I mentioned earlier in Romans 7 4, when Paul said, quote, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. End of quote. This is the meaning of denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following him. It's an invitation to believe. It's an invitation to, to come and die. It's an invitation to identify with him in his death. It's an invitation to die with him and in so doing to find life. It has nothing to do with endurance under trials, but everything to do with dying with him in order to reign with him. This isn't talking about a spiritual discipline subsequent to your conversion. This is talking about your conversion. This is talking about what it means to be free from the law, that I've died to the law, that Christ's death becomes my death, and it's a death I've already died. And so when we think about Paul's words that I die daily, and we put that in the realm of spiritual discipline, and then we add this one on top of it, where Jesus said, deny yourself and come after me, pick up your cross and follow me, and we turn those into spiritual disciplines, it's no wonder that things like shame and guilt and fear and condemnation are the result of that, because those are impossible things to do, and they're not standards that we've been given to do. Those aren't hoops that we're supposed to jump through. Those are not spiritual disciplines. Paul died daily because he literally faced physical death every day. Jesus said denying yourself was a matter of picking up your cross and following him to Calvary, where his death becomes your death and he becomes your substitute. Christian, you can rest in these things. These aren't spiritual disciplines that we need to insert ourselves into. This is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to be able to relax and rest with God, because he's done it all, and there's nothing left undone. And Christian, the death that you needed to die has already occurred, and now you get to live freely in him, and you get to be yourself apart from condemnation. 
So that's all I wanted to talk about today, those two issues, and give you some of my thoughts on those. And I really appreciate you joining me again on this episode 10 as we've crossed over from single digits to double digits in the Unsunday show. Hey, if you like what's going on here, would you consider sliding over to iTunes and giving me a rating? I would appreciate that. That'd be really encouraging. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, if you could share it with someone. Word of mouth really is one of the best ways to hear about a podcast. If I have a friend who tells me about a podcast or something on YouTube that they think I would be encouraged by, I'm on it. And that goes a long ways. So if you like what's going on here at the Unsunday Show, please feel free to share it with a friend. And also, I want to just remind you that I am online at unsunday.com. You can get to my lowly little website by going to unsunday.com. All of the past episodes are there, one through nine, including this number 10 will be there shortly. And you can subscribe in your favorite podcast app. There's also a contact form there. I'd love to hear from you, get your thoughts and hear what you think about the show so far. So until next time, y'all take care.